The Creator of this universe is in the heart transplant business. The greatest miracles that He performs today occur daily as He totally transforms the lives of men and women who give their hearts to Him. On our program today we are going to hear the testimonies of two women who experienced a God-given heart transplant. One was a cultural Christian, the other was a third generation Jehovah's Witness. Stay tuned. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end-time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. This week, I am delighted to have as our special guest two ladies who literally fascinated us last week with their discussion of their new book, Bird's Eye View of the Bible. Their names are Jean Eason and Arpa Hicks. Both are residents of Lexington, Kentucky. Ladies, welcome back to Christ in Prophecy. Good to be here, Dave. And I tell you what, you look spectacular in those outfits. And wow, <laughs> I love the color. <laughs> We're glad to have you back. Well, folks, uh, last week we surveyed Jean and Orpah's book chapter by chapter. The book is designed for both students and teachers to help them learn and then to teach the fundamentals of the Bible. They end their book with an amazing series of 12 personal testimonies by people who were on the wrong path and had their lives totally transformed by their encounter with Jesus. I'm talking about people like uh, Jews and Buddhists and uh, rock stars and uh, uh, drug addicts and New Agers and all that, and two of those testimonies are theirs. In just a moment I'm going to ask Orpah to share her personal testimony with you, but before I do so I want to read you a scripture uh, that is found in 1 Samuel chapter 10. The chapter begins with the prophet Samuel anointing Saul to become the first king of Israel, And then in verse 6 Samuel says to Saul, The Spirit of the Lord will come mightily upon you, and you will be changed into another man. Then in verse 9 we are told it happened. In other words, he was changed. When Saul turned his back to leave Samuel, God changed his heart, the Word says. Orpah, as I said at the beginning of this program, God is in the heart change business, and He did it for you. Yes, because you were a cultural Christian. What in the world does that mean, and what's it all about? Well, I was born in the mountains of Kentucky, and I lived there uh, the early years of my life. Uh, I, my family was a family that believed in community service. They were patriotic. Uh, they called themselves Christians, even though we were not regular church attenders. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, Christianity to them was being good, solid citizens of the community. Being a good, solid citizen, okay. which they were. Yep. Many of them were teachers. Right. My grandfather was elected to public office. Uh, I witnessed a couple of tragic things uh, growing up. I saw my grandmother burned to death, and um, I became um, fearful of hell. I don't exactly know why I had possessed that fear, but I was baptized. But I really didn't know anything about Jesus. So, my life never really changed. You really were baptized out of fear instead of love of God. Out of fear, yes. And uh, so, I went, uh, graduated high school, was in New York City by the time I was 17 years old, seeking a (laughs) career uh, that was focused on glamour. Being a model? Being a model, yes. I did some runway modeling and some photography and 
Uh, but I really just stayed there for only four years because I really missed my family, and modeling really was not what I thought it was going to be. So I came back to Kentucky, but I didn't come back to the mountains. I came back to Lexington. But then my family uh, was different because my parents had divorced, Mm -hmm. and um, my focus became that I wanted a home. So uh, being the workaholic that I am, (laughs) (laughs) I set my cap that way. I met, married my husband, had a child. And I was doing everything that I knew to do. By the time she was two years old, I was just really struggling to be a good wife and a good mother. And uh, I felt like I was a complete failure. I didn't know what the problem was. But uh, my husband had been knew about church. I knew about church. We'd both been to Bible schools and things like that. So I decided maybe it'd be a good thing if I went to church some more. <laughs> and I started going to church, and uh, part of my family told me that I shouldn't go overboard in this and go so much. But what happened to me was I began uh, studying, learning, and um, one day when I was at home and there was a particular crisis going on, there was the perfect storm, and I prayed, and I asked the Lord Jesus to come into my life. And I told him I was his to the very best that I knew how to tell him. And I repented of running my life myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a result of that, God changed my life. He showed me that there were a lot of other young women out there needing just what I was learning. And so thoughts that started going through my mind was that, uh, wonder what I could do about that. I was not a studier. I had not been educated to be a teacher. But God gifts all of his children Absolutely. in a particular way. He put a hunger in my heart for the word. And he gave you the gift. Yeah, yes. And uh, my life has been history since then. It was going in an entirely different uh, direction than it was before. Uh, I've taught Bible classes for 35 years. I've um, been a conference speaker. And now we've written this book. So when you're saying uh, talking about a cultural Christian, you're talking about a person who's raised probably in a Christian family and goes to church regularly, but has no personal relationship with Jesus. That's right. Has, doesn't really know God, doesn't really know the Word. Word has no impact really on their daily living. They live like anybody else, but they go to church yeah, because the first they're a cultural scrip- Christian. Yeah, the first scripture that was ever impressed on me when I started studying was, Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And that's exactly what happened. You know, our churches today are full of people like that. Just yes. literally full of people. I, I, I used to have a colleague named Dennis Pollock, and a col- he was a great one-on-one evangelist. And he would go out to the malls and just walk up to people cold and say, you know, do you, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you been born again? Uh, and he would he'd ask people, have you been born again? They said, well, I'm a Christian, but I'm not one of those born-again Christians. And he'd say, did you know Jesus said you can't go to heaven unless you're born again? Well, I'd, I'd, I don't believe that. Where does that say that? know absolutely nothing about the Bible. What, 85 90, 85% of the people in this country claim to be Christians. Very few go to church. Maybe half of those will go to church maybe once a year, you know. 
they don't attend church, they don't read the Bible, but they consider themselves Christians. And this is where a worldview really is so, how it shows how it affects your life because they're doing the best they know to do. I was doing the best I knew to do. So we got a real mission field in the church. Yes. Where people need to be brought into a personal relationship with Jesus. Wow. And you just simply reached out in a time of desperation. Yes. Well, we have a personal God. We do. And He really responds when you reach out to Him. There's nothing that touches His heart like faith. Amen. Thank you for sharing that great testimony with us. Welcome back to our interview of Gene Eason and Arpa Hicks, the authors of the great new book entitled Bird's Eye View of the Bible. Gene Eason, you were a third generation Jehovah's Witness who found the Lord. That's not very often happened among Jehovah's Witnesses. How in the world did it happen to you? Tell us something about your background and how you came to know the Lord. Well, all the literature that Jehovah's Witnesses use is written by the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society, and I inherited a Watchtower library. And praise the Lord I did, because as I read through it, I ended up studying my way out. (laughs) (laughs) And what happened was, Dave, I've noticed how many discrepancies there were. And one of the major doctrines, as you know, by, that Jehovah's Witnesses have is the second return of Jesus, which they think happened in 1914 when Jesus took His throne. And that was to be the beginning of the end. But well, actually, I, He was supposed to come back then, wasn't He? Well, He did, according to them, but it was invisible. <laughs> yeah, it's always invisible when you miss yeah. the date. <laughs> Only they saw Him with their eyes of understanding. Okay. <laughs> and so, when I read the old literature, I learned that at one time they taught that He was enthroned in 1874. <laughs> The end was supposed to come in 1914, and the beginning of the new system of things, which was their new earth, was to begin. And that wasn't the end of their prophecies, was it? Oh, no. They went on to 1925, 1941, 1975, and many others. But, you know, what I noticed was is that any time that they bring out these things and it doesn't happen, that makes them a what? A false prophet. That's right. And so, I took a note of all this, and I also took note that, but you know what, David, the thing that got me start thinking is, they taught that 1874 date for almost 40 years. <laughs> now, if the Watchtower Organization is God's only channel of communication to the whole world, all others are false, then I thought, wow, why would Jehovah God, the Almighty God of the universe, cause an organization that has the truth of the whole world to teach something like false for 40 years. That started me thinking for myself. That's always dangerous. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And so I also noticed a pattern that they had additions and deletions as they went along. Mm -hmm. For example, at one time they taught that vaccinations was wrong for their people for smallpox. I thought how off it would be to refuse a vaccination Mm -hmm. and then have your child die. Right. And then I got to thinking, well, at one time I noticed they said not to marry. Then they said, oh, well, you marry but don't have children. (laughs) Then I thought, how many people went to their graves, you know, with childless? And then I took note of organ transplants. No organ transplants at one time. How off it would be to lose a loved one because you denied them of that. And they deleted that teaching. And then in the mid-40s, they come out with no blood transfusion. That's right. I remember that well. Oh, I can't begin to tell you all the things that that cost and how many people died as a result of it. And then in the 80s and the 90s, they decided, well, they could take factions of the blood. And that is so complicated we explain all that. It would take a Philadelphia lawyer. We're talking legalism gone to root here. Oh, my goodness, yes. (laughs) 
And, and so I began to think, well, hey, our lives are being controlled by the group of men sitting up there in Brooklyn who are calling all the shots. Yeah. <laughs> and I decided I was not going to allow them to control my life anymore. So I stopped going to the Kingdom Hall. I stopped teaching these things to my children. I stopped going from house to house and telling other people that they... And that got you in deep trouble, didn't it? Oh, I should say it did. But you know what? During all this time, Dave, I had a sister-in-law that was praying for me on me. (laughs) Praise God for those (laughs) prayers. And she challenged me to attend a meeting that this out-of-town preacher was coming to. So I was reluctant to go because I knew that if I got caught by Jehovah's Witnesses... I was going to say, that's a sinful thing for you to do as a Jehovah's Witness. That's right, because I could be disfellowshipped, which means cut me off from my family. It means no Jehovah's Witnesses talk to me. And if they did, they could be disfellowshipped. But something was drawing me. Of course, I know now who that was. (laughs) Something was drawing me into that church. And I heard a message that night, day, that I'd never heard before in my life. He was talking about the love of Jesus, the grace of Jesus. And I just had a Holy Spirit experience that. You were caught up in a works salvation yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, religion. Yeah, you can't ever do enough work, you know. Every time no matter, it, matter how many doors you knock, you need to knock, knock more, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Even the holidays, you're supposed to knock on those doors. <laughs> and so, after I heard that message, and he asked us to stand and sing the Our Father Who Art in Heaven, oh, I had this Holy Spirit experience. And you know what? I knew instantly that I had been looking for the truth in all the wrong places, the definition of soul, the definition of hell, the definition of trinity. And I realized instantly, I mean, I had a 101 education instantly, Dave, that Jesus is the truth. Jesus, in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father except by me. I realized he was the truth. And praise God, when I went home, I went home a different person. The next morning when I got up, I thought that would be gone, but it wasn't. He was still with me. And I got down on my knees in my living room, and I prayed, and I said, God, come into my heart, Jesus. I want you in my life. (laughs) Oh, amen. And I want to serve you the rest of my days. And I had no idea what that would entail, writing a testimony book, which can still be read on our site. That's right. And that brought a lot of people out. And I've had the privilege of bringing so many Jehovah's Witnesses. Christ. And uh, it brought the wrath of the Jehovah's Witnesses down on your head. Oh, yeah. Because they are a very controlling cult, aren't oh, they? Oh, yes. They came and knocked on my door. What are, the, what are some of the characteristics of a cult? Well, for one thing, they deny who the true person of Jesus is. Okay. They always argue he's somebody other than trinity. what he said. You yes, know, right. Like the Archangel Michael. Yes. They believe that that's the Jehovah's okay. Witnesses. What would be Jesus another characteristic? Thing. Another would be that you, I have the truth. I'm the only one that has the truth, and you believe and do what I say do. We're the only one, only true group, the only saved yes. group. That's right. Another one, I guess, would be work salvation. They always, oh, anything else you think of? Uh, usually a strong central leadership that dictates Always, everything. yes. Everybody polarizes around that one person. And among all the cults I'm familiar with, the Jehovah's Witnesses are, are really one of the most ruthless when it comes to controlling people because if you cut, uh, break away from them, they're going to tell your family that they can't even talk to you. Is that right? Well, that's right. And Jehovah's Witnesses are telling the young people today, do not look at Internet. Well, they tell all of them, oh, not of just course. the young people. They especially worry about the young people. In fact, I, I found out it's a sin among Jehovah's Witnesses even to read a book that's critical of the Jehovah's Witnesses. But you got around that by just reading their own literature <laughs> yeah, and finding out there was a lot of problems. Yeah, they don't want their people to read their own literature. <laughs> they even got so I understood that they took the libraries out of the 
Can well, I know you have a real heart for reaching people today who are caught up not only in the Jehovah's Witnesses but in the cults. And uh, your book is a great testimony. I'd, I'd like to ask you to do something. I'd like to ask you to look right directly into that camera in front of you and tell the people how they could get, uh, where they can find on the internet your website so that they can read your book. Well, it's Tutors for Christ, and that's F O R, not the number four, tutorsforchrist.org. And uh, the book is out of print. My testimony book is out of print, but you can get it and read it for free on that site. And they could contact you there also uh, for speaking engagements. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. And Orpa, how could they contact you for a speaking engagement? Well, you can contact me the same way. Okay. From this site. From that site. Yes. And you're available to speak, to go to conferences and that sort of thing and talk about not only your testimony, but to, to, to teach about the Word of God, correct? Yes. And the two of you are available as a team, right? Oh, we have six all together. Six all together. Wow. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Welcome back to our discussion with Gene Eason and Orpa Hicks, authors of the book Bird's Eye View of the Bible. Ladies, I want to thank both of you very much for sharing your personal testimonies with us. I wish we had had 15 minutes for each one of you. I'm sorry you had to do it in such a compressed amount of time. There is another person that you mention in your book in those wonderful 12 testimonies at the end. I just love them so much. And one of them is Jack Hollinsworth and how he, it says, Jack Hollinsworth's testimony, I was homeless and hopeless until Christ came into my life. Now, that's a very special testimony to me because as our viewers, regular viewers know, Jack Hollinsworth is the featured singer on this television program. And not only did you get his testimony in your book, but I think both of you know him personally, don't you? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know what a great work God did in his life. Uh, here is a man who lived on the streets for 20 years, homeless, an alcoholic, tried to commit suicide three times. Uh, one time he jumped off the Mississippi River Bridge. <laughs> he was so drunk he missed the water. <laughs> and the only reason that he didn't get killed was because it had been raining a lot and he landed in soft mud. <laughs> but uh, the last time he tried to kill himself he crawled underneath a truck and he drank two pints of rubbing alcohol, if you can imagine. And he was amazed when he woke up the next morning. He said, I really wished I was dead because I was so sick. He said, I was green and I was throwing up and I was very, very sick. He crawled out and he looked up and it was a Salvation Army truck. And he said, years later after he was saved, God spoke to his heart one day and said, you remember that time when you crawled out? You can't be saved under, I can't, be, can't uh, commit suicide under salvation. You were, I had you covered, brother. I had a purpose for you. Well, as you know, uh, he wandered into a detox center in Lexington, Kentucky. And do you remember from his story what happened when he walked into that detox center? Either one of you remember that? Isn't that where he met Sally? So that's where he met he Sally. Met Sally. Yeah. He met a little lady who was four foot ten inches tall, mm -hmm. who was tough as they come. She, in fact, the, all the drunks that came in there called her shotgun because she was tough. And of course, a four ten shotgun. She's four ten, and he started trying to con her. And she said she looked right in his eye and said, "You can't con me. I know all the cons." And he kept trying. Finally she said she just put her finger in his face and she said, I say to you in the name of Jesus Christ you'll never be able to get drunk again. And he said, lady, I'm a professional drunk. I'll show you. So he said he left. And he said he drank nonstop for two weeks and was never able to get drunk. At which point he went back and said, 
tell me some more about this Jesus. <laughs> well, she led him to the Lord. And when she did, they later got married and started a ministry called Acts 29. They've been on the road ever since then ministering to people. God took a homeless man off the streets. And in fact, uh, here's a photo that was taken of Jack when he was living on the streets. And here's a photo of him today. And uh, in just a moment we're going to have Jack singing to you. But before we do that, I, uh, I want to ask you very quickly, we've got about a minute and 20 seconds here. Can you think of some other testimony among those 12 that, that particularly impressed you, one in particular? Well, I can think of this Buddhist boy that came yes. to our church yes. as an exchange student. And at that point he was still a Buddhist. Yes. And I had the privilege of teaching what Christianity believes. Yeah. And he later became a Christian. and Came to know a personal God. Mm-hmm. How about you, Arpa? Does any one of those 12 testimonies stand out in your mind? Uh, I knew uh, Mona. The, she was a, uh, an aide. She was not a nurse. She is the one that was uh, the homosexual. Oh, yes. Okay, the lesbian, yes. Yes, the lesbian. Who came to the Lord. Yes. Uh, I met her as a result of her coming into my mother's home to help take care of her when she was ill. And that's been a very... You know, one of the greatest lies that exists in our society today is that those who uh, are caught up in the sin of homosexuality simply cannot be changed. And we know they can be. I know several who have totally transformed as a result of putting their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a lie of the Satan that you it cannot wasn't be changed. A, it wasn't an instant thing with her. It was a, it was a real struggle with sure. her. But he enabled her to do that. Well, often when we overcome a sin like that, it continues to be a struggle. And we have to lean on the Lord every day yes. for His strength in overcoming it. Well, folks, I want to pause for just a moment and I want to bless you by having Jack Hollingsworth singing a great song, We Shall See Jesus. But what's on a
Folks, you have just witnessed the transforming power of God. That power can be yours if you will put your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. All you need to do is confess to God that you are a sinner, and that you need a Savior, and then receive His Son Jesus as your Savior. And when you do that, I would urge you to seek out a Bible-believing and Christ-exalting church where you can make a public profession of your faith and witness that faith in Christian baptism. Well, that's our program for this week. I want to thank our guests once more for being with us. You have just been a real blessing. Thank you for coming. Thank you for inviting me. Okay. Well, folks, I want to urge you once more to get a copy of their great book, Bird's Eye View of the Bible. Our announcer will tell you in just a moment how you can get a copy. I hope you'll be with us next week. Until then, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, Look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. The book, Bird's Eye View of the Bible, explains the foundational truths of the Bible in an easy-to-understand way and emphasizes the importance of developing a personal relationship with God. This book will help readers understand God's absolute standards, differentiating right from wrong. It will increase one's understanding of God's Word and will open the door to conversations with those unfamiliar with the Bible and what it teaches. Chapter titles include, Why I Believe the Bible?, What happens when you die? Beware of taking the wrong path. Transformed lives. A new heaven and a new earth. And the church in you. Order Bird's Eye View of the Bible for a donation of $10 or more plus shipping by calling the number on the screen or simply order online at lamblion.com. Consider getting extra copies for your church library, pastor, and friends. Hello, my name is Nathan Jones, Web Minister with Lamb and Lion Ministries. We're using the internet to proclaim the soon return of Jesus Christ to the over one billion people who access the internet now and after the rapture. I'd like to invite you to come and check out our website at www.lamblion.com. You will find a wealth of information about Bible prophecy, gaining a big picture view into God's plan for the ages and learn how His eternal plan relates to you in the here and now. 
Watch online episodes of Christ and Prophecy for in-depth teachings on end-time events. Read from the library of articles covering all aspects of God's prophetic word. Subscribe free to receive the Lamplighter magazine, e-newsletter, and blog to stay up to date on current events as they relate to Bible prophecy. Equip yourself to share the good news with others using materials from our resource center. Christ in Prophecy is made possible through the faithful and generous support of viewers like you. Please consider making a donation to Lamb and Lion Ministries so that we can continue broadcasting the message of Jesus' soon return. Thank you, and God bless you. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus.